You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. The Sportsman's Nation is a 2% for conservation certified business. And on August 21st, you can join other conservationists all over the world in supporting Community Conservation Day. It's a day for anyone to give their time and or dollars back to their local ecosystems and favorite conservation causes. For more information on how you can participate, visit fishandwildlife.org. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. It is podcast time. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. For those of you who have never uh, joined in with us before, my name is John Hudspeth and I am the host of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, which you are listening to. If you've never listened before, welcome. If you're a returning guest, thank you. I really appreciate it. Man, the more I do this, the more uh, outreach I get, uh, you know, talking to people through social media and stuff, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So keep sending me messages, guys, asking questions, because I love interacting with y'all, and I hope the more that I do this, the more interaction I get. So yeah, thank you guys for being here. I'm going to keep the intro fairly short this week, because we had a nice long interview with my guest. Um, I do want to say I did go turkey hunting last weekend. Um, that, cause the, uh, the Southeast zone finally opened and I had zero luck. I, I, I had worse than no luck. Actually, as I was walking in Saturday morning, I bumped three Jake's, which were about the only three gobbler or like bearded anything that I had seen. And, uh, as I was walking in, I bumped them and they ran off and I never saw them again. Uh, I gave them like, I, I waited there for like 20 minutes, tried calling nothing. I kind of slowly walked in the direction they flew off or ran off. I should say, uh, nothing. I heard like one half gobble way off in the distance and that was about all the turkey hunting that I got done. I mean, like I, I, you know, I stuck it out. I hunted for a couple hours on Saturday and then even went back on Sunday, but they were just nowhere to be found. And so I don't guess I'm going to get my goal accomplished of killing uh, two different species. I got my Rio two weeks ago. I know I still haven't told that story. Um, it's it's going to come, you know, um, but uh, this coming weekend, my wife, uh, her family has a family reunion. And so I don't think I'm going to get out in the turkey woods. And so, man, that uh, that one weekend was basically all the turkey hunting I got on my own place. And so it is what it is. Uh, you know, I'm still happy with uh, with my one turkey. Um, 
this guest that we have this week, guys, I'm very excited for. He's been in the back of my mind really since I started this. Um, he is a huge duck hunter. Uh, like ducks are his real thing, but kind of his side hobby is turkeys. And when I say hobby, I mean that like very seriously. He's a very, very serious turkey hunter. It's just kind of his second love. And so uh, it was awesome that I got him on here to talk turkeys with us. Uh, I hope to get him back uh, you know, later this year to talk about ducks, his true passion. But uh, this guy has probably killed more turkeys than... I'm going to venture out and say at least 90% of uh, the people listening to this podcast, um, you know, I may be wrong. There may be some hardcore turkey guys out there, but this guy takes it to a whole new level. Level. Uh, his name is Michael Ashcraft. We actually grew up in this, around the same town. Uh, he went to school with my older brother, kind of. He was like a senior when my brother was a freshman. And then uh, through mutual friends of ours, we did a little duck hunting together back in the day. Uh, he's an awesome guy. Uh, he's a Texan, uh, but he does a lot of hunting in Oklahoma, and uh, we get into all that. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to give a little intro to what we're talking about. So this is going to be a a turkey episode, and uh, yeah, it's really good. So I don't want to ruin too much of it. Like I said, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I feel like I've already talked too long and rambled on. So uh, yeah, you guys aren't going to hear from me too much because uh, I basically just kind of hit play and uh, let this guy talk. You know, I threw a few questions out there, but uh, he was just so knowledgeable and so good. Um, so yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Michael Ashcraft. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. And today I'm talking to an old friend of mine, Michael Ashcraft. How are you doing today, Michael? Good, brother. How are you? I'm doing just fine. It's a, it's a beautiful day today. Uh, I had a little rain over the weekend, but drying out now and oh, uh, ready to talk turkeys with you. Absolutely, man. I'm happy to be on with you. Good, good. So real quick before we uh, jump into everything, Michael, why don't you just give us a quick little rundown of uh, who you are and where you're from and what you do and all that good stuff. Well, my name is Michael Ashcraft and I am from Fort Worth, Texas. Currently live up in the Panhandle. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I've been in the oil field for about the last 12 years. Um, I'm a mud engineer, so I live out on a drilling rig, 24-hour service. Uh, before I was married, it was only during outside of duck season and turkey season <laughs> that I worked. Mm -hmm. And inside of duck and turkey season, I didn't work a day. Mm -hmm. I was 1099 for the most part, and so I got to pick my schedule for the most part. And if the company didn't like it, well, I would just say, okay, I'll see another company next year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, killing ducks and, and hunting turkeys meant that much to me. And, uh, you know, that all that changed once I got married <laughs> mm -hmm. a couple years ago and, uh, and had a baby this last year. So the 100% true freedom has changed a little bit mm -hmm. with that. I worked more this year than I've worked probably in the last, well, for sure, the last decade. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I didn't get as many days in, but uh, for me, that's still, for ducks, I hunted all but about uh, 12 days of the season probably. Mm -hmm. And then turkeys has kind of limited me this year, but I've still been able to, to have my successes in Texas and Oklahoma. And then when, actually when I get off of this hitch right here in a couple of days, I'm going to go do some go do some public land hunting in Montana. Oh, nice. Very nice. And yeah, that's one thing I wanted to tell our listeners, you know, you're, you're one of the most 
turkey killingest fools that I know, uh, or, or even know of. Uh, but what's even more crazy is turkeys are almost like your second love. You know, I think ducks really have your heart, right? Oh, hundred percent, buddy. I mean, if there was two things I could do outdoors wise the rest of my life, it would be ducks and turkeys for sure. But uh, but if but if there was only one, there there is no question about it. I would be chasing waterfowl, mostly yeah. ducks. Geese geese don't do it for me at all. I'll hunt them if they're there, but they don't. I, yeah, I used to tell my buddies that are goose hunters, I'll I'll go shoot one mallard. <laughs> as opposed to going out and killing 40 geese and I'd have way more fun with that one mallard. Hmm. That's yeah. just, uh, that's just the way my brain mm-hmm. is built. They just, those, those, those big geese don't do a whole lot for me mm-hmm. over water. I like it a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, the, uh, waterfowl is in my blood mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, whether it's, whether it's decoying them and, and killing them or taking pictures of them doing it right. Either of those I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. A true purist. So, uh, oh yeah well yeah duck duck, duck purist not mallard purist <laughs> i like to specify that okay i got some buddies that are real snobs <laughs> i love the central flyway because you can shoot them all and i'll get a little snobby with with uh shovel bills and divers here and there but but i'm definitely not a mallard purist i'm just a i'm just a duck purist yeah yeah awesome well like I said, I'd, I'd love to have on another time talk about ducks, but today we're going to try to focus our uh, attention on turkeys, if that's all right. Hey, that makes sense. It's springtime, brother. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You got to stay with the times. So uh, that's exactly right. It's a, it's a. You got to sh- you, you shuffle with the seasons. I get it. Mm-hmm, uh huh. Exactly. So, uh, real quick before we kind of you know jump into the questions, uh, why don't you give the folks a quick kind of. I guess like a resume, I'd call it. You know, you mentioned you're about to go to Montana. You know, just give us a quick rundown of some of the states you've hunted, you know, some of the numbers you've killed over the years. Um, you don't necessarily have to say I've killed X amount of turkeys, but just, you know, kind of on an average year, uh, what you're normally doing. Man, I I really jumped full bore into what, what you'll see all over online now is what would be considered the traveling turkey hunter. Mm-hmm probably about seven years ago, eight years ago. Before that, I would hunt my state. I would hunt Texas, and then I might venture up into Oklahoma, and that would be about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, typically I'd fill my tags in those two states, and, you know, I would be pretty satisfied. But I I, I started – I got a good buddy who had been traveling turkey hunting for about the last 15 years and kind of said, hey, why don't you come come up and hunt with me in New Mexico? He's from New Mexico. So that kind of opened the door, and so then I, I kind of went crazy on it the same way I do with ducks and quit working during turkey season, and I would spend literally 30 to 32 days of the year under a tree somewhere. And so for the last – this will be the first year in about eight that I haven't gone to – that I haven't punched my tags in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska – New Mexico, and then usually one other state, be it Montana, Tennessee, or, um, you know, last year me and my wife went to Hawaii. We Mm -hmm. freelanced Hawaii for Rios Mm -hmm. uh, on the Big Island, uh, and, I mean, it was unbelievable. But, yeah, I'm usually a five- to six-state guy, 
not necessarily filling every tag. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those states you can only kill one turkey. Mm-hmm. You know, you go you go to Kansas, you can buy an extra tag, but you can kill one turkey in Kansas or uh, or uh, not Kansas, yeah, Kansas right there, and then Nebraska. We usually try to hunt pretty close to the border where you can go hop over the state mm-hmm. line, buy your license, and go shoot three Nebraska turkeys legally in the same three four day trip. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's a that's a place we've been. Last year, I went to Montana for the first time and had an absolute ball. So I'm going to go back there this year. But I kind of, uh, I don't know, the married and child life, as anybody listening here will know, changes significantly when you, when you go from being a single man to a married guy with kids. Mm-hmm. And so we had our baby, we had our baby boy in June of last year. And so now, you know, if I want to go take off <laughs> and leave for, 12 or 15 days straight unless it's work i gotta fight for it <laughs> and yeah. so uh so this year this year it's I, i'm missing kansas i'm missing nebraska i miss new mexico because i'm working a big long hitch i'm working 25 days straight literally right in the middle of turkey season so mm-hmm. i killed my texas turkeys in the south zone i went straight to the north zone and killed my my two in the north zone and then i had four days of oklahoma hunting and then I was at work, and I've been at work since the fifth day into Oklahoma season. Mm. So it's killing me. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I understand. It is killing me. My 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 travel and turkey hunting buddy has now, since I've been here, has already gotten a couple of Merriams in New Mexico. Mm. He's about to head to Indiana. I was going to go there this year, and then I was going to do Kansas, Nebraska, but I'm going to. I'm not going to get any of those states mm. in this year. Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, but yeah, I mean you know turkey turkey numbers, man. There's it'd be hard to tell you how many turkeys I've killed and helped helped other people kill. I mm. you know I enjoy as much as pulling the trigger. I enjoy taking a picture of them mm-hmm. in tight, and I enjoy especially people that have never decoyed a turkey. You know, or mm-hmm. hunted a turkey. You know what I would what I would consider the typical you know springtime turkey hunt. Go roost the bird the night before, get in early in the morning, get in close, set up decoys or no decoys, either either or, and you know try to get try to pull a gobbler into into gun range or you know if you set up decoys, try to get him in there to beat up your decoys and put on a show because people who have not seen that. You know, even guys that have hunted their whole lives, if they, you know, usually, you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. If if you didn't have a dad or an uncle or a brother or somebody that turkey hunted, more than likely, you're not going to turkey hunt. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got to have somebody who's either knows how to do it and will take you out there or, you know, everybody, every now and then, you know, you'll have somebody like me. I, I, I grew up with a single mom, so I didn't get, really get into hunting until I was, shoot, 16, 15, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't kill my first turkey until I was, I'm, I'm 38 now, and I think I killed my first turkey at 22. And so, uh, you know, so I started late compared mm-hmm. to a lot of guys, but I really enjoy taking people, you know, guys, girls, doesn't matter, mm-hmm. uh, you know, go kill, go get their first one and kind of get them hooked because, you know, even guys that have been deer hunting their whole life, if they hadn't killed a turkey in the spring, it's not the same as the fall. You're not just mm-hmm. shooting a bird coming to a feeder. Yeah. You know, you're getting to interact with them. You're getting to hear a gobble. You're actually working a bird once you understand how to call. And it's just, it's just a, you know, it's a cat and mouse game that, you know, Western hunters will kind of sort of compare to an elk hunt mm-hmm. because you're calling them, you know, you're calling them while they're in the, you know, for an elk it'd be the rut. And for turkeys, it's just in the springtime when they're getting after it. 
and uh, you know, it's a it's a cat and mouse game that can be really really frustrating or, you know, a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot a lot of times that both of those emotions happen in the exact same hunt. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a really it's a really really cool deal that that mm-hmm. I encourage anybody who who enjoys hunting really any game to at least go give a try and you know go hunt hunt with somebody who kind of knows what they're doing and they can save you a lot of pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty. Well, uh, let's jump into something maybe a little deeper, not too mad, too much. But um, I know, at least for ducks, and I'm pretty sure it's the same for turkeys. I know you are big into scouting. Um, so when you're, you know, traveling to these places, uh, how are you scouting? Are you doing, you know, some Google Earth stuff before? Are you just burning rubber once you get there with binoculars? Uh, walk us through how you're finding these turkeys when you go on all these trips. You know, on a on a DIY public land hunt, which I'll be the first to tell you, if if anybody who's listening can afford to go on a guided turkey hunt and can rely on a guide, good for you. I, I got nothing against it, uh, but I don't do that. We don't we don't pay to turkey hunt pretty much anywhere. Uh, we, you know, on a, if I'm going like Hawaii, you know, I made a few calls to where I thought I might be able to talk to a local, like a game warden or something like that in the area and say, Hey, you know, you've got a million acres of public land. Could you just give me 40,000 of them to start, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, get, get some kind of ideas of where the turkeys may be. You can absolutely do loads of internet research and, you know, there's a lot of people, especially with turkeys, you'll see there's probably really no difference out west with public land deer hunting and, and elk hunting and shed hunting and every other morel mushroom hunting. People are pretty tight-lipped about good spots mm-hmm. if they're local. But if you can get a hold of somebody who's like you, who's from out of state traveling, or you know, you can get lucky enough to get a hold of somebody local who doesn't mind giving you even just some advice, not necessarily give you some pins, but give you an ad- advice of an area, then it comes down to just working, man. Just mm-hmm. like just like ducks, just like deer, just like anything else. It's it's burning rubber. It's burning, you know, hours in the evenings and in the mornings with your glass, listening. You know, turkeys sleep in a tree. Mm-hmm. So you, you try to you try to roost birds. You know, ideally, my 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 thing is if I'm going to a new spot, I'm going to try to spend two days driving around looking for turkeys if it's an area you can look you know you mm-hmm. go you go east where it's thick thick trees and not really a lot of open stuff that's a little tougher to do you got to spend spend your time in the woods mm-hmm. but you know out west you can glass you know wheat bottoms you can glass creek bottoms you can you can look on you know hillsides and areas where turkeys can be and and shoot you can go to the coffee shop and mix it up with some of the old timers and the ranchers and the farmers and a lot of times they can give you just invaluable information about, well, hey, there's a bunch of turkeys over here. We always see turkeys here, you know, places like and deals like that as far as, you know, as far as scouting an area. And then, you know, you go spend your time sitting on the pickup hood or out in the woods, you know, with the turkey locator when the, you know they're going to be in the tree gobbling, which is usually, you know, that last 40 30 minutes of light in the, in the evening time. And, you know, well in the dark, you can hit a coyote howler and a turkey will gobble on the limb. And that'll kind of give you an idea of where a turkey is, mm-hmm. you know, and then the same, the same in the mornings, you know, if you don't know where some birds are, you get out there early enough, 
they're going to start gobbling about 25, 30 minutes before fly down. And sometimes they'll get pretty wild in the trees. And you'll hear, if you're in an area where there's a lot of turkeys, you may hear turkeys gobbling for a mile down a creek. <laughs> and, you know, you try to locate them, you know, whether you use a hoot owl call or even just a yelp or, you know, or a coyote howler. And those turkeys react and they, you know, they, they shot gobble at it. And that, they kind of give up their, their area of where they are. And then you can base your approach the following day or that afternoon on, okay, you know, I know I've got turkeys within earshot of me. So I either need to just come over here and sit down and rely on my calling or, you know, you can say, okay, you know, now I'm going to pull up my glass and I'm going to try to find if you're lucky enough, you know, in the season where your trees don't have leaves on them or they're in dead trees, you can, you can spot, you know, you can spot turkeys on a limb. I mean, Mm -hmm. with my camera, I'll sneak up on turkeys where I know there's roosts in the dark and I'll get up in there and I might get within 50 yards of that tree in the pitch black dark. And then as it's breaking day, I'll take some pictures of turkeys strutting on the limb and get some really cool pictures, you know, and as a hunter, you can do the exact same thing. You can get, you know, a lot of these guys, especially Eastern guys that are hunting in real, you know, piney wood stuff or, you know, really thick stuff. Your, your goal is to get as close to that turkey on the limb as you can without spooking it. And then, you know, when he comes off that limb and gets down on the ground, you know, if you're close enough, whether you got, you know, you choose to hunt with decoys or no decoys or a strutter or whatever, you know, he'll hit that. He usually hits that ground in the mornings about as hot as he's going to be because he's been sitting there all night either watching his hands right across the limb from him or listening to him, and, you know, he'll be strutting in the tree. He'll be swelling up, strutting, gobbling. You know, he's fired up this time of the year. You know, those hens are the ones who make it all happen, and he knows it, and he wants to stay as close to him as possible, and the minute they sit, he's got to be there. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the way I look look for – locate and find turkeys and i'll tell you man as a traveling guy you see you see these guys on instagram a lot you know a lot of really successful turkey hunters chasing 49 guys the you know the penhody project guys Davo, and a lot of these guys that are travelers you know you can't you don't see that they're that they're struggling they make it look real easy Mm -hmm. but it's because they traveled and they struggled and then, you know, you've also got to account for some of those guys like Mr. Penhody Dave. I mean, he's a world champion diaphragm breed caller. So mm-hmm. he is a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh-huh. the, the guy, the, the, the world champion duck caller has got a little bit better chance of killing ducks than, you know, Joe Schmo, who mm-hmm. just picked up a duck call two years ago. And the same goes for turkeys. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about perfecting that craft of you know being able to operate the call you know all of the phases of a turkey and knowing when and how and where and you know what and you know those guys that you know most turkey hunters see online that are like gosh how is this guy traveling to a different state every four days and he's killing turkeys well probably every one of those spots he started out not killing turkeys Mm -hmm. you know and walked his tail off and went home unsuccessful multiple times you know, and figured out, oh, okay, I know where two or three roosts are now after two or three hits and misses. Or I went to an area, didn't have success. I'm going to go to another area next time. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, figured out the area and how to kill turkeys in that area, which is different, you know, shoot, sometimes county to county. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know, that's the, 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 the locating turkeys, that's, 
you know, getting, being able to find them in the trees is your number one chance for success because, you know, they won't necessarily go back to the same tree every single night and every single day, but usually they'll be pretty dang close in that block of woods, whether it's a half mile or, you know, you can hear them gobbling on the limb. And, you know, I always, you know, the couple of guys that, that I turkey hunt with that have a whole lot more experience than me will tell you that if a turkey can hear you and you're doing it right, you have a chance. You're in the game. And so, you know, you get to a spot where you know that turkey will hear you. And if the time of the year is right, whether it's his hens leaving him at 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning to go sit on a nest or, you know, he's not the dominant bird and the dominant bird has all the hens in that section and so he's just looking for another hen that's traveling, looking for love, you can call that turkey, you know, you have a shot at calling that turkey into your decoys or, you know, in, in areas where you can't really get away or if it's not useful to use a decoy, calling them in within gun range and just, you know, having traveling Tom looking for you and you kill him. Mm-hmm. But, but that's how I go about it. You know, the, 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 the trips where I'm not in my, what I would consider home turf where I know where 20 roosts are, you know, mm-hmm. you just got to go ground for a couple of days, burn the roads. You know, what's the tough part about killing spring turkeys is locating them. Yeah. Once you find them, if you're really willing to, to do what it takes to get them killed, you can kill those, those gobblers and, uh, you know, there's 15 different ways to kill a turkey, and, you know, there are some guys who just are not on board with some some of those ways, and, you know, but there's there are plenty of ways to kill one, and you can you can be as quote-unquote purist, no decoys, diaphragm call only, or, you know, you can go sit in a pop-up blind, you know, depending mm-hmm. on which state you're at, underneath the deer feeder, mm-hmm. and, you know, when those turkeys come to feed, the hens will come to feed, and the toms are going to be behind the hens, and you can shoot them that way. It's you know, whatever's legal in your state, in my opinion, you do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the mallard purist mindset <laughs> when it comes to turkeys. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. if it's legal, if it's legal and you want to do it, and you're going to eat that turkey, dude, go fill your legal limit however you see fit. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like it. I like it. Woo. Man, that was a heck of an answer. <laughs> you covered, uh, you yeah, covered quite a bit uh, there. Yeah, I told you I'll rattle on all day about turkey that's, and duck hunting. That's good. I'm can't listening. talk about much else, but, uh, <laughs> I'll, talk, but I'll talk all day about yeah. turkey and duck hunting. That's good. That's good. Uh, so I, I have another question, and I'm not sure how experienced you are on this or not, but uh, I know you hunt a lot of public land, but I'm sure you also hunt some private land. And I was just wondering, basically, how easy it is or difficult. Uh, to get permission from landowners, you know, when people think of asking people to hunt deer, you know, a lot of times if you ask a hundred people, you're going to get at least 99 no's because people are stingy with their deer and, and they always have somebody that hunts. But, uh, I guess I'm just wondering, is it easier with turkeys? You know, have you just knocked on some doors and got, had pretty good success getting able to hunt or you get a lot of no's? Have you done a lot of that? That it all depends on where you are. And, you know, a lot of people, for whatever reason, are scared to go knock on a door. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be because the the, the worst thing you're going to get is a no, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you may get a no greeted with a rifle, <laughs> but you're just going to get a no. You know, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to get beat up for knocking on somebody's door and asking for permission. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we hunt some of that. A lot of that travel and stuff will hunt public. 
you know, my home turf, I almost hunt exclusively private. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is family, friends, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, it's depending on where you're at. Texas, you're probably going to get a no 99% of the time, Mm -hmm. no matter what, Mm -hmm. whether it's hunting dove or deer or turkey or anything else, because it seems like Texas has, you know, Everything has a monetary value, mm-hmm. even in the outdoors nowadays. It's not as 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 old folks would say. It's just not the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when you could hunt anywhere you wanted, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. Deer, deer, or it's such an expensive, you know, essentially a money maker for a landowner. Mm-hmm. Turkeys aren't quite like that, even in Texas. But most people still are going to say, "Well, my deer hunters have turkeys, also." Yeah. yeah. You know, or, hey, my son will, you know, he might go shoot a turkey. And, you know, they'll just look for an excuse, essentially, to tell you no. Mm -hmm. Uh, Out west, it's much better. Mm -hmm. You can go, you can go shoot. I don't know, south central Oklahoma, north. Mm -hmm. I think you got a lot better chance at knocking on a door and getting permission. You'll find little pockets here and there where the people could care less about turkeys. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't hunt them. They've never hunted them. All they see them as, if, if it's a farmer, eight times out of ten, he sees them as a nuisance. And, uh, you know, unless they hunt them, you got a shot. So, you know, I try to tell everybody, go go knock on the doors, man. If, 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 especially if you've struggled on the public in the area. You'd be amazed that, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, Kansas in, in a lot of areas outside the cities, you can get permission. Nebraska in a lot of areas outside the cities, you can get permission. And there's a lot of private that, you know, the government buys, the state will lease. Mm-hmm. Just like those, you know, like those hush programs in Nebraska, I think. And there's some stuff like that in South Dakota where it's it's a, it's a private land block, a section or a quarter or something. And then, you know, the state comes in, the wildlife agencies will come in and pay that landowner almost like a CRP for a farmer. Mm-hmm. And they'll pay them to give walk-in access. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of those places can be bang-up turkey hunting spots. And, you know, a lot of people are just, you know, quite frankly lazy, and they don't want to go walk into a place. But usually that's not the case for a guy who's a traveling turkey hunter. Most of them know that, you know, you're going to cover a bunch of miles on your boots. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, I would say absolutely knock on doors, even if you get 50%, you know, what you can do is build on that over the years. If you find an area where there's a great turkey population and there's not a whole lot of pressure and, you know, if every 10 houses you knock on or every 10 properties, you know, Onyx has made it so easy. Mm -hmm. You know, the Onyx app back in the day, man, when I was trying to get permission from guys, you had to go to the county See, buy a plat map, go follow that plat map road by road, cross by cross, and there's no phone numbers or anything in them, and you just got to go find that landowner. And then nine times out of ten, it's the farmer who can give you permission because he's the one paying for the ground. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then you got to go find the farmer. And, you know, like I said, sometimes that coffee shop talk, that's where you can be really successful with it is because sometimes the guy who you want to talk to is sitting right there, and he's sitting there every single day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he can tell you, nah, you know, I got guys that trade me hunts, and I go fishing with them in Louisiana, and they come shoot my turkeys, and I don't care about them, but I'm sorry I can't let you hunt. You know, or, you know, you'll get the occasional person who's just, you know, nearly put off by the fact that you even asked. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but but I would encourage anybody who is wanting to hunt anything really to go knock on a door of an area if you think it's going to be successful. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, you're going to get told you're going to get told no, and then you go to the next one, and you know. You go far enough, you'll find a yes more than likely, but it just takes, just like anything else, like you were talking about with scouting, it just takes a lot of effort. And you can't get discouraged if you get five no's in a row because you may get five yeses in a row after that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, be nice to folks. You know, be cordial. Try to get along with them, even if they're a little bit short with you. Maybe even offer something like, hey, you know, I, I do a little bit of duck hunting. Do you like duck meat? Or, hey, I, you know, I do a little bit of deer hunting. Do you like venison? I could, you know, send you a couple of, you know, you know, trade something off, essentially. Mm-hmm. Barter a little bit with them if, if they seem like they're kind of receptive but a little bit held back. Or you can even say, hey, I'll, you know, are you interested in wild turkey? I'd be happy to, you know, shoot a turkey on your place and come over here and cook you up a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. You know, or something like that. There's a lot of avenues. You know, you, you're kind of selling yourself, you know, especially if they don't care about hunting, you know, or don't care about a turkey. You know, you're trying to give them a reason to say, hey, absolutely, you can come hunt on my place. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, be real cognizant of gates and be real cognizant of cattle and, you know, be real cognizant of the fact that, you know, you reassure them that you're going to try to leave their place better than you found it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as you know well, most most folks out in the country are pretty good people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even if they tell you no, they may say, hey, I can't let you hunt here. I've got deer hunters. But my, you know, nephew has a 1,000 acres 10 miles from here. I'm going to call him right now on the phone. Let me give you his number. Let me tell you where he's at. And, you know, that may open the door to another spot. And I've had that happen many times Hmm. where, you know, the guy, the guy's a really nice guy, but he can't let me hunt because somebody's paying him for the turkeys, even though he knows nobody hunts them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, so uh, so yeah, permission, private permission is a is a battle of attrition. You know, it's a, it's about numbers. It's just it's it's just sales. It's yeah. about numbers. Pound, pound on enough doors, and you'll find some permission that'll that'll turn into a bird or two for you. And you know, you never know. You may pound on a door and it turns into your whole, you know, all the tags you got in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I've uh, even heard it of, can happen. Yeah, I've even heard of some people using, you know, shed hunting or turkey hunting as a door into getting permission to deer hunt. You know, kind of start small yep. and and work your way up. So, like you said, the worst thing to tell you is no. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Well, and I do the same with photography. You know, most people, unless they're just really, really private. They could care less if you're going to go take pictures, Mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, I may start taking pictures on their place. And if they've got a bunch of turkeys or they've got a bunch of ducks or whatever I want to hunt, Mm -hmm. you know, I'll I'll tell them, hey, are you interested? You know, I'd like to, you know, blow you up a picture of this, you know, beautiful turkey that I took a picture of and, you know, give it to you and frame it. And, you know, maybe that's something that you can get them kind of receptive to go and, hey, you think you'd mind if I went and actually hunted those birds next year? Or, you know, there's a, there's a million ways you can kind of try to angle into that, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and maybe, maybe turn a definite no or a kind of sometimes maybe into a, yeah, sure. I think we could work that out. You know, mm-hmm. carry them a bottle of whiskey if you get to know them enough. <laughs> uh-huh. That's you right. know, I've had, I've had some cattle farmers that, you know, they like drinking crown and, mm-hmm. you know, you bring them a couple of bottles of crown that may turn into a turkey hunt. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not a lease. You're not leasing it from them, and they don't see that as a lease. They just see you as somebody that's, you know, kind of trading you. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. All right. Um, I got this one's kind of more of a, a hunting question. You you covered this a little bit earlier, but uh, I kind of I guess I just kind of want to walk through your your morning routine. So let's say you you know roosted some birds the night before. What are you going to do that next morning? Are you trying to set up as close as possible? Are you you know kind of walking around and and trying to read birds and waiting for them to fly down? What's your basically what's your kind of morning routine? If I've got birds that I have scouted, so I've got them roosted, and I know right where they're roosted, if, it all depends on if I have a decent idea of where those hens want to go in the morning. Mm. If I've got a pretty good idea of where those hens want to go, and I'll tell you, man, there's, just, there's a lot of it depends, just like every other kind of hunting in the world, because, you know, it depends on how those turkeys, what sage in the mating process are those turkeys mm-hmm. you know is there five gobblers there on the limb with one boss tom with all 15 hens and there's four other gobblers that are running around together or is there one tom you know with four hens and there's 10 jakes on two trees over mm-hmm. that are chasing him off every time you know it's there's a lot of it depends mm-hmm. uh as far as the scenario in the morning nine times out of ten if i can get a bird roosted I'm going to go get in tight as close as I can get to him, you know, and set up decoys, preferably within vision of him on the limb hmm. early. And I'm talking about if fly down is 630, I'm going to be there at 5. Hmm. I was about to ask, like, do you I'm, ever get worried about being spotted from the tree? Because I've had that happen to me before. Well, and that's, that's all about close. how early you're willing to get there. <laughs> Gotcha. If, if 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 you're will if you're willing to get there in the pitch black dark well over an hour before fly down you're not going to get spotted in the tree you can walk right under it. Mm. But if if you you know if you sleep in and it's you know 40 minutes before sunrise yeah you better stay you better stay a little further away and you better not stay within vision of the tree because you know as you know they can see and hear really well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, 50 yards, if you could get 50 yards off of a roosted bird in the dark with a path between the two of you, or not even a path, you know, you could have scrub and stuff, or you could be in the piney woods or, you know, be in Tennessee in a big thick hardwoods with a canopy. If you can get that close and he's not going to fly off of that limb and fly a half mile out into an open field or something, mm-hmm. you know, he's just going to hop off the limb or, or you're in the opening off to the edge and you know which direction those birds, which comes right back to scouting, you know, you know which direction those birds like to hit the ground and go. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, I want to be on the other end of the direction they're planning on heading and, you know, try to either encourage the hens to come check out my decoy spread or make that Tom mad enough that he wants to run over and beat up the Jake that's in my decoy spread. One of the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if both can happen, then that's an ideal, what I would consider an ideal off-the-roost shoot. Mm-hmm. If not, you just get as close as you can get if you don't actually know the exact tree. Mm-hmm. Get as close as you can without boogering the turkeys and be there early enough and and be quiet. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of guys, you'll hear them calling while the turkeys are still in the tree. And, you know, in my experience, that's a bad idea. 
I'll let the turkeys hit the ground before I start calling. The hens are pretty quiet up until right when they get close to fly down time. And they make what, what's called a tree yelp, and it's pretty clear, and it's different, different than a yelp on the ground. And, you know, they'll make a few tree yelps and, you know, cut pretty quick and then fly, fly down. And there's a sequence there. And if you're down there on the ground hammering on a box or a slate or a diaphragm, it's not natural. And those turkeys, a lot of times, know it. Now, don't get me wrong. you got plenty of people listening who hammered on a box call while the turkeys were still in the tree and they gobble back at them. And, you know, 10 minutes later, they fly down and run into the decoys. But mm-hmm. in my experience, I like to be quiet until I see them hit the ground. The second they hit the ground, I'll let them know I'm there. Mm-hmm. I want them to know I'm there right when they hit the ground, and then the game then the game begins. Either they're going to come your way, and, you know, a lot of times when it's really hot, you know, the hens will sit up. They, they don't like being messed with by those toms. Mm-hmm. So the tom will hit the ground because his, his blood is boiling. He's on fire. Mm-hmm. And so he'll sit down underneath the tree and strut for a half hour, and those hens will just stand up there and look at him like, oh, we're going to deal with this all day long. And so they wait, you know, until shoot. Sometimes, you know, it's way past daylight. It might be 20 minutes past sunrise, maybe an hour before they fly out of the tree. And then, you know, the game begins and they go where they want to go. And that Tom follows behind them strutting until they decide it's time. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I would I would get in. If I could give anybody advice mm-hmm. from my own experience and really my own screw-ups would be, be early enough in the morning, pitch black dark, minimum one hour before fly down time, and then get as close as you can. If you're going to use decoys, get as close as you can, throw out your spread where it's visible. If he can see it from the tree, that's even better because he'll see it, you know, whether it's your hens, you know, or a Jake decoy, or if you want to hunt with a strutter decoy, it just gets him hotter and hotter. I mean, my third bird this year in Oklahoma hit the ground. I mean, it was dang near pitch black dark when he flew out of the tree hmm. and we were on a creek edge and a little, little wheat bottom and he could see those decoys out there and it was a full moon. And I mean, he was on the ground. If legal shooting time was six thirty, he was on the ground. You know, that's 30 minutes before sunrise. Mm-hmm. He was on the ground at six fifteen. Hmm. I mean, you could looking through your binoculars, you could hardly see a beard on him. <laughs> it was so dark, hmm. you know, and then, you know, it didn't take long. And within, 30 minutes he was in the decoys but he was on the ground because he saw my my jake decoy out there and thought you know what i've already got girls on the ground and you know this guy may get ahead of me mm. yeah and so uh just listen so yeah, to that that, that, I'm, that I'm, would be my typical yeah i'm already learning stuff I, I just went out to the panhandle of texas last weekend with a buddy of mine and I haven't got to tell the story on the podcast yet, so I can't give too much of it away. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm already I'm already learning some of the mistakes we made. We had some success, but uh, it uh, yeah, it wasn't nice and smooth like you're talking about here. So, well, well, let me tell you, man. There, if it's a if it's a quote unquote perfect off the roost hunt, that happens about once every ten dead turkeys. Mm, that makes you me know, feel better, even if you do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It, I, I always joke around with my buddies that turkey hunt hard mm-hmm. is, you know, they always do the opposite of what you plan on. Even if you scout, even if you roost them, even if you get to them and you've watched them fly down into the same 50 yards every day for a week, the day you get there two hours early in the dark, get hit, don't make any noise, don't go in with any lights on, they fly the opposite direction 200 yards. Mm-hmm. 
and then you spend the next, you know, four hours chasing them around in a circle or, you know, waiting on them to come to come back to you. And then you think they're going to come in from this direction and they always come in from behind <laughs> and, you know, sneak up on you or come in completely tight lipped, don't gobble a bit. And so instead of being still and quiet, you know, you're moving around or looking and then, oh, what do you know? There's your turkey behind you looking at you with his head up. Putting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, don't, don't feel bad if it didn't go smooth because there are very few times that it ever goes smooth. Okay. All right. <laughs> very, better. very few. Right. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, maybe, maybe the smooth ones are about one out of 10. The other <laughs> ones are usually a calamity, no matter, no matter how many birds you got in the area and how perfect it should go. Mm-hmm. You know, we always, we always find a way to screw it up. It seems like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All righty. You know, well. And they're just a, they're a prey, they're a prey animal. You know, they're, 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 they are designed by God to avoid getting killed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. Right. That's a good point. Good point. All right. Uh, my next question is, uh, I, I think you're very qualified to answer this. I want you to kind of explain decoys and basically when you use what, and I guess I'm kind of talking about a timeline, you know, Early season, mid season, late season, you know, are you using just hens, jakes, full toms, when you use them, when you don't? Um, so if you, if, if you wouldn't mind, can you kind of walk us through that and, and how you use your decoys? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, it'll vary between, between a lot. There's a, once again, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of potential scenarios that will change the way that I use decoys. If we're hunting an area where there's a really dominant gobbler and not a lot of jakes and, you know, maybe a bunch of hens running, I might just throw out a strutter and one feeding hen. But I also may throw out just a jake and a, and a lay-down hen if there's enough grass, you know, if it's a low enough grass, say cow pasture or something like that, where you can where that turkey can absolutely see that hen long mm-hmm. before he gets up close, you know. But it also, you know, time of the year, honestly, my go-to almost all the time if I'm using a decoy is a jake, a feeding hen, and a lay-down hen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the hens, obviously they'll attract the tom if they hear you call and they see it, but most of the time it's the jake that really gets them mad. Mm-hmm. They come in to fight that jake. They'll be coming to your hen calls, but when, once they get to a spot visually where they can see the jake, unless they've been getting run to death by a group of, you know, jerk jakes, which happens a lot, mm-hmm. they'll come. They'll come to fight that jake because they think, okay, why does this guy have a couple of hens? I should have the hens. I'm the more mm-hmm. dominant bird. Gotcha. And so, you know, you're triggering that territorial dominance has probably already been established amongst the flock. And like I said, unless there's four or five or six jakes that run together, I always joke that jake turkeys are about like Antifa. You know, <laughs> they're not real tough by themselves, but once you get about three or four of them together, they don't mind trying to beat up anybody. Mm. And so, and that's what they do. They'll run your, I mean, I've had, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had a turkey come into the call, crossing on wide open field, gobbling his guts out, and the jakes come out of nowhere, and they go jump him and beat him to death and run him out of there. And, you know, then run in there and you go, well, great. You know, I'm, I'm not shooting jakes. I'm not 10 mm-hmm. years old. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, 
you know, let's, I, I tell, I tell, I tell everybody that I can, you know, if it's your first turkey or if you're under the age of 13, Jake's are on limits. Mm-hmm. If it's not your first turkey and you're over the age of 13, you shouldn't be shooting Jake's. Mm. You, you get, you get one Jake kill unless, you, you know, if you're <laughs> over the age of 13, that's right. your first one right. because they're dumb and they're, and they're next year's bird. Right. And you know, there's a, a big majority of them that just can't breed. So there's a few Jakes that can breed, but very few of them. So, you know, if you go to kill them, I mean, you're not going to hurt as bad as, you know, breeding population wise as if you're killing Toms, but you know, let, let the dumb ones like shooting a two year old buck, right. Mm-hmm. You know, let them, let them, gr- let them go, let them grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kill, kill, kill the two year old plus. If it's got a full fan and, you know, spurs over a, over a half inch and, you know, at least a six inch beard, you're probably in pretty good shape, but, but yeah, decoy spread, my go-to, I, I kind of, I don't really have a rhyme or reason on a strutter decoy. Honestly, I used to put one out all the time, every time. And then, you know, I had a couple of two year olds that I ran off with a strutter. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of got away with it because if you have that Jake, you'll get that reaction. You'll get the same reaction that you would get with a strutter. The only thing a strutter will do for you is visibility, right? Mm -hmm. That big fan is, you know, that's what they look for. If they're looking across a field and they're either looking to fight or they're looking for turkeys, that Mm -hmm. that's a big old spotlight for the, for your setup. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, sometimes that'll work. We had a, I had a scenario, the only scenario this year where I used a strutter, in a decoy, you know, calling in turkey's decoy scenario was across a big field. We knew we had, you know, a halfway across a section. We had turkeys in a tree. We couldn't get on that side because it was somebody else's. And, but we knew that those turkeys would be able to see us. So I stuck a strutter out there because it's just a lot more visible. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. You know, one, one of those turkeys flew down and, you know, it took him about 45 minutes, but he strutted his way all the way across the field of the decoys, but he went straight to the jake. He didn't even look at the strutter. And, uh, you know, he, and he was a good turkey too. He was, you know, three, four year old turkey. He had over an inch spurs, but he didn't want anything to do with that strutter. But I think him seeing that fan from way over there helped him key in on our calls in our area. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of a pick your, pick your poison on the strutter because it's either going to work really good for you or you're going to scare off the less dominant bird if there's a big stud in mm-hmm. the area that's that's established dominance and he's beating up all the two-year-olds, mm. you know, or even three-year-olds. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. But awesome. yeah, definitely, definitely a Jake, mm-hmm. definitely a Jake decoy almost always, you know, mm-hmm. unless, like I said, unless, unless the scenario you're in is there's 30 Jakes in the section mm. and they're beating up the two or three or four Toms, mm-hmm. then you may throw your Jake out and just use hand decoys or, you know, if you're in an area where turkeys have got a lot of pressure on them mm-hmm. and everybody's using the same setup, it's kind of mm-hmm. similar to ducks. You mix it up. Yeah. And, you know, you might just throw out one decoy or, you know, there's a lot of guys that kill a whole lot of turkeys that don't ever put a decoy out and don't even believe in them. Mm-hmm. I, to me, I'm not in that camp. I love decoys. I, the funnest thing to me is watching a, a strutter strut up and beat the crap out of your Jake <laughs> and then jump on your hen and balance mm-hmm. around there for a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the, the photography side of me. Right. Right. But, uh, but, but, you know, you, you can get, if you can get in tight and get hit and, and learn how to call, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't need decoys, but it sure helps. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, this last one, it, uh, it may be a little trickier question. Uh, so 
the first time I ever went on a true turkey hunt, I was 17, a couple of buddies and me jumped in to pick up and drove all night long to West Texas and uh, actually on the property where I just went hunting this last weekend, same buddy. And uh, okay. that first morning, I called in my first turkey ever. He came across a wide open field, like 200 yards, I actually shot him with my bow. And I just thought I was the king of all turkey calling because, you know, <laughs> I, I did this amazing thing. And, uh, well, the next day, uh, same buddy, you know, I was getting my, I was going to let my buddy shoot one or, and, uh, so we set up in a different spot and I start calling and I'm just using a box call and start calling. And sure enough, another big old Tom pops up and he's coming to us, you know, nice and slow, but coming in. And then he hit this small little drainage Creek thing and he hung up. And I call, I think we, I think we watched that bird for an hour and a half and I'd call oh, and he'd take two steps to the right and I'd, you know, and sit there and then I'd call and he'd take two steps to the left and he'd puff up and go down and puff up and go down. And, uh, and we ended up never killing that bird. Cause you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was probably calling way too much and, uh, and you know, since they, you know, you always hear about turkeys hanging up on a fence on this last trap. On this last trip, sorry, we had some gobblers coming in. Yep. They got to a fence, and they same thing. They puffed up, and they'd walk back and forth, and and wouldn't come under. And um, so, if you got a hung up bird, do you have any secret recipe that you get to make them come past that hurdle? You know, if you've got a hung up bird, my my most secret recipe is a fan. Hmm. You know, and that's a real, it's a real controversial, uh, decoying method mm-hmm. in the turkey world, which blows my mind. You know, mm-hmm. if you, however you want to shoot your turkey, if it's legal in your state to shoot a turkey with a 30 out six at 200 yards, and that's how you <laughs> want to kill your legal, you know, one tag, two tags, three tags, mm-hmm. I couldn't care less. Yeah. Kill your turkeys. As long as you're eating them, I don't care. Mm-hmm. But there's a big debate in the turkey hunting world because a lot of purists, you know, Fanning turkeys, reaping turkey, turkeys, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, scoot mm-hmm. and shoot. If you got one really hung up, if you've got a fan, you know, a turkey fan, real, fake, whatever, if you've got a, one of those reaping decoys, mm-hmm. a lot of times you can pull that sucker out. Obviously, I'm going to say, preface that with, if you're hunting public land, you better be careful. Right. If you're going to reap a turkey, you better be smart. You better be well aware of your area mm-hmm. and, you know, hope that the person with a shotgun who's hunting 100 yards away mm-hmm. knows the difference between a person behind a turkey fan <laughs> and a turkey. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's where the obligation lies. It shouldn't lie on the guy who's scooting around behind a turkey. Yeah. If you don't know the difference between a guy laying on the ground behind a turkey and a real live turkey, you shouldn't be in the woods. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you can pop a fan up. I mean, sitting right where you're at. You know, let's say you have one of those reaping decoys or just a fan laying next to you, Mm -hmm. and you've got a spot where you can visually see that bird hanging up. Sometimes you can pop that fan up and flip it a couple of times or turn it, and that bird, I've seen birds, I've seen a bird fly off of 400-foot elevation Hmm. and fly off the top of a hill in western Oklahoma, 400 foot up. Mm-hmm. And land down in a wheat bottom that he was that he was hung up on, mm-hmm. and land down there right next to that fan. Mm-hmm. I've seen multiple turkeys come through barbed wire. I mean, they ran back and forth for five minutes to a call mm-hmm. and couldn't figure it out. 
And the second you popped up that fan, they ducked under and found a way and were on the, you know, you get to enjoy that funny run of a big old turkey <laughs> swinging beard running. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that's that would be my number one. Would would be throw up a fan or throw up a you know a scooting decoy or a thunder chicken as Michael Waddell would call it, mm-hmm. and it just triggers a it just trigger they just see red, mm. it just triggers a fight in them that you know if you got one hung up it's really coming to a call whether it's a creek bottom or something, but the other thing you can do is one thing you can do is shut up, mm. you know a lot of times if you'll just shut up. That's the thing that gets that turkey the most excited if he thinks that hen has turned around and gone the other way. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, especially if you can see him, watch the turkeys. Watch what he does when you quit calling. Because a lot of guys, me included, when I just started, I, I called way too much. Mm-hmm. I call and call and call. And if that turkey gobbles, I feel like I got a call every mm-hmm. time he gobbles. You know, because you just have so much fun interacting with a bird. But a lot of times... If that hen in real life, you know, in real life, a hen goes to the turkey, not the other way around. Right, right. So you've got sometimes if you'll just shut up and make him think, well, she's disinterested. She's gone the other way. Well, that that fires him up as much as a fan. Hmm. And he'll hop the fence. Or I've seen a turkey. I've seen a turkey fly high fence <laughs> that came to a that came to a call once you shut up. And he was up against that high fence 100 yards away on another property that we couldn't hunt and strutting his guts out and gobbling and double gobbling and cutting himself off. And he wasn't going to cross that fence. And we kind of just gave up. It wasn't even strategy. Hmm. We just gave up because we thought this guy's never coming. It had been an hour and a half he'd been doing that. He probably gobbled a thousand times in an hour. Mm -hmm. And we shut up and we watched that bird within two minutes fly that high fence and run as hard as he could run into our decoys. Hmm. And so, you know, number one, throw up a fan. If you can see that bird and you're in a place where you're comfortable doing that and you're not worried about getting shot by an idiot. Yeah. But yeah. Number two, maybe be quiet or maybe throw your call. You know, if you're using a diaphragm call, throw your, put your hand over your mouth, go over your shoulder, the opposite direction and kind of call a little softer. Hmm. To make him think, oh, she's walking off. You know, call. You know, change your cadence where it sounds like you've got a turkey walking away. Mm-hmm. If you're in like the piney woods, if you're hunting easterns and southeast, south the southeast part of the state, or you know, eastern part of the country where you're hunting easterns, you can be quiet and scratch in some leaves and make it sound like that turkey just quit calling. She's just scratching around. She gave up. Mm-hmm. If they're close enough to where where they can hear that, sometimes that'll set them. That'll set them on fire. And, uh, you know, they'll come running by you looking for that scratching. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but that's, you know, that, that's another deal in the turkey woods where it all depends on the scenario. I've had them fly creeks. I've watched them hang up on a creek and never come. Mm-hmm. I've had them fly a high fence. I've watched them hang up on not even a five-strand barbed wire, like three strands. <laughs> and they run up to it, and it's like they're too dumb to figure out how to get through that thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, you know, bounce off of it two or three or four times and turn around and just give up and go the other way. Keep bobbling the whole time. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, it's uh, that if you can get closer to him, you know, woodsmanship has a lot to do with killing turkeys consistently. Mm-hmm. And so if you do know, he's A, he's callable if you've got him all the way up to a barbed wire fence or a creek bottom or whatever. You might shut up and just let him turn around and walk. 50 yards back into the woods and then get as close as you can without getting caught. 
And I've, I mean, matter of fact, I've caught, I've been in, uh, well, I was in Graham, Texas with one of my buddies and we had this turkey gobbling its guts out right off the roost and we couldn't figure it out. What was on the other side of the river? In the river bottom. And the river wasn't wide. The river was 20 yards wide. Mm-hmm. But he was not crossing that river. Well, we got on our bellies because we were up high. He was on the bottom side down in the bottom in the river. And belly crawled about 80 yards to that river edge. And, I mean, he was gobbling every call. I mean, he was hot, as hot as he could be. But he wouldn't. He was right on the edge of the water in the sand strutting his guts out we shot him across the river <laughs> you know we mm-hmm. got up on him the guy had permission on both sides it was his land mm-hmm. and we killed that turkey right across the river he wasn't going to come to us so we went to him yeah and uh you know luckily you know we're just the way the, the way the land laid we were able to belly crawl and get up there to him and yeah you know we pulled a few stickers out of us but man <laughs> it was a it was a really cool hunt and a really fun story, mm-hmm. you know, and to be able to watch my buddy have to strip down to his skivvies and swim across that, <laughs> that brassus and, uh, totally and worth it. Huh? Get his turkey was, was, Oh, you bet it was worth it. And it was, you know, it was a blast, but sometimes, you know, they're going to hang up and they're not coming. And if that's the case and you know, it's a callable Turkey, especially if you know, you can get close enough and be on, you know, be on a permission slipper on your land where you can shoot him across, just shoot him across. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't uh, don't try to reinvent the wheel on it. Sometimes we think way too hard, especially turkey mm-hmm. hunters. Yeah, and I think we try to humanize animals a lot too. Like I remember, like you know, talking about to that first trip, and you know, had that gobbler hung up. I was like, man, if only we had some strings on that decoy where we could turn it, you know, side to side and make it look like <laughs> it was to, moving. And, get it to move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah. you know, well, just, and I'll tell you though, so, sometimes with that fan. You know, I, I can't remember. I, I don't know if it's Mojo or who came up with one where you could pull a string and its fan will go down and pop mm. up. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, man, I mean, I've never used one of those, but I've used a fan in my hand and watched a bird that could care less about anything. Mm-hmm. And that sucker will run 150 or 200 yards across the field once he sees that movement. Mm. You know, and I don't know if it's just the way the light hits the feathers or what it is, but sometimes that kind of stuff does make all the difference in the world. And you see a lot of guys that kill a lot of turkeys. They just keep a fan in their vest. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll keep a turkey fan in their vest that's, you know, closed up. And mm-hmm. if they need it, you pull that thing out. And sometimes that's the game changer on a turkey that's hung up at a hundred yards in the, you know, down in the trees or across mm-hmm. a field or, you know, something like that. And you know what, if that's what it takes to get him killed, get him killed. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're just about out of time for today, but uh, man, Michael, you have been a wealth of knowledge, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. You know, it's happy to be here. Like I said, I'll I'll blabber on for years about turkeys <laughs> and ducks. So yeah. you got to just tell me to shut up once you schedule. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll I'll be uh, probably giving you a call around September, October. You know, before duck season comes in. So. Uh, so be ready hey, for that. September's duck season. That's true. Teal season is in September. Don't uh-huh. you say that. <laughs> All right. That's my that's my first between doves and teal, that's my first chance at release after uh-huh. the drought of the summertime. That's right. That's right. All righty. Well, man, like I said, I appreciate it. This is fantastic. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely, buddy. I had a blast. Awesome. Appreciate it. 
And that's a wrap. Thank you, Michael, for coming on. That was awesome. Uh, man, that's a living the dream type thing, traveling that much and getting to hunt that much. It's just awesome. And uh, it's awesome that your passion is so crazy that you went to all those links just to be able to hunt more so yeah i hope everybody listening enjoyed that uh for those of you who still have a turkey tag in your pocket by the time this comes out you'll have like three days left and so if you're still out there grinding good luck to you i hope everybody enjoyed this one i really did as usual don't forget about my social media pages instagram and facebook and then also, if you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, I don't think I've ever a- uh, actually asked for that before, but go ahead and uh, give me a little five-star review. I'd really appreciate that. helps get my name out there. And that is going to do it for this week, guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I hope everybody has a fantastic week, and we'll see you right back here next week. Have a good one, everybody.